that we look forward to. So many folks return at this time. So many folks. Uh, I have the opportunity to worship with parents. Uh, families seem to grow just a little bit. Sharon and I, um, we just got back from the land of sandals and cutoffs. And I want you to know, this morning I was thinking we shouldn't have come back. That's all. But we love to be able to worship with you, and we love to be able to come and open up God's Word. But I do want to apologize. If, if you have a bulletin, and most, most of you do, and you turn to the back, and you see we're supposed to be in Acts chapter 14. Let me just say this. This has nothing to do with our admin team. It doesn't. It has a whole lot to do with your pastor who went off rogue at this moment and is not going to stay in that passage. So please forgive me, but we're getting to that. How about next week? Okay? But I am so grateful for the leadership here. And if you were with us last week, you had the opportunity to hear Nate Gardner preach. I love hearing from Nate. I love learning from Nate. I love the questions that you ask, Nate. And I love how practical you make God's word. We are blessed. We just are blessed. If you've been with us for weeks before that, though, we have literally been spending time in the book of Acts. We've been learning about God's agenda for the church. Now, the church, for the most part, has had a rather poor reputation at times. Um, But God sees it totally different than most of us. We learned, especially in the first part of Acts, that the Spirit came, and the good news was preached, and the church was birthed. And there was power and authority. And the message went out into Jerusalem and Judea and really to all the parts of the world. And we're the ones who benefit from that. We see that the good news changed history. The good news. We all love good news. But the good news that, well, the Apostle Paul and all the other apostles shared was something that was so amazing that really the good news, well, maybe we should describe it differently. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's life-transforming news. The news that Jesus came to this planet. He lived for 30-some years. He modeled for us what God looks like and what God does. And then he stretched his arms and he bled and he paid the debt for sin that each one of us were supposed to pay. So the good news is Jesus died in our place and Jesus redeems us and reconciles us to a God who loves us so very much. He just wants a relationship with us. But because of his holiness, never could have that because of our sin. 
So the good news that went out 2,000 years ago and the good news that continues right now is that Jesus died so that we can be reconciled and reconnected with the Almighty God. How cool is that? Well, the church was and still is God's vehicle of grace to make disciples, to help others understand how wonderful God is and to prepare them to go out and share good news with others. We see in the book of Acts that people were making daily sacrifices so that others might be united with God. Now to me, that sounds like the impact of godly parents. And because it's Mother's Day today, it sounds like the impact of a mom. Someone who sacrifices every single day so that their kids, her family, might be able to grow in God's grace. Now, moms continue to make an impact in our culture. And actually, the sad part is dads, not so much. They, they just don't. God created man and woman, which included marriage and family in his perfect plan. Actually, you will see that this is the most effective way to make disciples. Who make disciples, who make disciples. But there's going to be more on this just a little bit later. Today is Mother's Day. But I have to share with you, especially as a pastor, I'm not sure how many Mother's Day messages I've given. But they seem to get harder every year. Not that I don't think we should honor mothers, but both Father and Mother's Day messages have become really challenging. Because I think sometimes it's hard to hear from God. Because there's pain. Pain of infertility for some. Pain of miscarriage for others. Or simply because Selfish moms or dads put themselves first before their kids and spouses. And there's been scars, scars that some of you still show. We are all influenced by our past, by our home life. So if either or both of our parents were missing or were poor models of following Jesus, we've been hurt. And some of you have been hurt very deeply. So whether you grew up in a loving home or feel you've got the short end of the stick, would you let God's Word teach you today? Encourage your heart? Inspire you? And I think it will if you let us. If you let it. Let's pray. Father, I, I come before you just recognizing how powerful your word is, how it transforms my life and transforms our lives. I know, God, whether our past has been a little bit um, painful or even today's situations or circumstances are, are so overwhelming. 
I know your word gives us hope in life. So we would ask today, you teach us, that's all. There's going to be parts in here that will try to encourage mom's hearts. But ultimately, God, all of us need to hear from you today. So thank you. Thank you for this special day. Thank you for all those who are here in the house. And thank you for those who are watching online. We are just grateful, God, that you give us what we need every single day. We pray for all those churches who are proclaiming your word today. All those churches that um, are sharing your word and heralding the good news. We love you, Lord, and look forward to not only what you're going to do in us personally, but in our church as a result of this message. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus gave us all of our marching orders in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. If you've been part of this church, this is called the Great Commission. We often focus on the greats, the Great Commission, the Great Invitation, and the Great Commandment. But again, this is something that's critical for everybody, no matter what age you are, no matter what role you're in. Jesus, right before he went up to the Father, he returned to glory. He had his disciples around him, and he said, go and make disciples. (laughs) One of the last words out of his mouth. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, teach these new disciples that I teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So whatever role you have or stage of life you're in, our mission, a mission for everyone that is a follower of Jesus, everyone who is a child of the King, everyone who has put their faith in Jesus as their Savior, everyone. Our mission is to make disciples who make disciples. And what's been exciting in the book of Acts is that these first century believers have been modeling this for us. So, fruitful followers of Jesus sift their thoughts and actions through this disciple-making filter. Now, I believe parents have the best shot at this. And and let me explain. Let, Let me explain. Parents do life together. Not for three years like Jesus did, pulling a bunch of fishermen and and other various characters out of their life and just said, follow me. Let's do life together. Let's live together for some three years and, and I will teach you and I will help you and I will equip you so that when I leave, you'll be able to change the world with my message. (laughs) Parents. Parents do life together. Spouses and kids. 
uh, sometimes up to 18 years. <laughs> and now if we're honest, a little bit more. Kids don't get out of the house. And sometimes, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, it just happens. But the more time that families spend together, the more influence they have for better or for worse. You see, a parent's goal is to nurture their children and, well, prepare them so that they might be able to live productive lives. Every parent really knows that, all right? So parents think like this, and everything parents think about or does pass through this filter. How am I going to help my child become productive, to become successful, to be a great mom or a great dad, or choose the right spouse, or get the right job? How will I do this? From the very youngest time, they're thinking that. They're wondering about it. They're giving examples and showing them how to live life. Now we, parents, discipline and train our kids so that they may be prepared well for life. And in my opinion, according to the Bible, more specifically, making disciples. Now it's sad to see how many spoiled college freshmen who totally waste their first few years of college, because usually it takes them two years to get through their freshman year, acting like children rather than responsible adults. Now, believe me, we all know this is not always a result of poor parenting. Sometimes it's just flat-out rebellion. I get it. But sometimes it is where we've not modeled well for our kids how to depend upon God every single day. You see, parents every day have an opportunity to speak truth to tender minds and model abundant living. You'll hear this term often around here, but doing life together. Not only in small groups, which are family units, but but at home, under the same roof, shows our priorities. We model for our kids how to forgive others. We show them how to deal with conflict or disappointment. We model for them how we speak about those in authority. We show them how to grieve and act when we're extremely sad. We teach them how to overcome their fears, how to be family. We model for them how to save or spend our resources. And we show them how real faith looks, just like Jesus did, and how to walk with God more intimately. You see, if you're at home and you have a family, you can't excite, I mean, you can't hide excitement. In other words, the things that make your heart beat faster, your kids all know it. You can't hide that. You can't. So realistically, 
if you're not walking with God, you're not making wise choices, as Nate even shared last week, then maybe your kids will catch the wrong thing. But kids do catch what's important to us. In fact, as, as they grow up, all parents wish they could choose what kids pick up and what they don't. I mean, your prayer is almost this. Oh, Lord, I hope they take after their mother here. Please. She is so much better at this. Lord, you know all those things? Uh, don't let them pick that up. And hopefully they will catch more from us than just good ethics or good work habits. Traditionally, if you go back even thousands of years, Jewish families, traditionally, they really did this well. Their whole goal was to make sure by the time their son or their daughter was about 13, that they were well-grounded and they knew how to whatever role God has called them to. They had already in almost every household memorized the first five books of the, of the Old Testament. This was unbelievable. But I also think this, and some of you are in the trades, I think the trades prepare each one of those men or women in amazing ways. If you're a plumber, if you're an electrician, if you're a roofer, it just doesn't matter. What happens, you go to school. You learn about it on paper. And then what do you do? It's called being an apprentice or a grunt, whatever you want to call it. And sometimes a grunt just gets coffee for the first three months. Oh, I'd like mine black. Okay. But eventually... You work, and you work together, and it's for a year or two or three or four, depending on what the trade is. And so you book learn, and you get the experience. And I think that's how God does discipling, especially in families. I love watching families serve together. It is so much fun as a pastor or as an old guy. As I see a dad or a mom bringing a daughter or a son along with them in whatever they're doing, serving. I've seen it on mission trips. And sometimes kids aren't that useful. I'm just letting you know. They're not even that obedient. In fact, they're a pain in the neck. But that's okay. Because even if they're not so skilled, they're with dad, they're with mom, they're watching, they're seeing the sacrifice. They're doing the ministry. I love it up at camp. Now, because of the ministry that I've had over the years, I've had the opportunity again to serve with so many high school staff when they weren't even married. Then they got married, then they got kids. And now I see them taking their families up during a winter camp and saying, you know what? We're going to do all the dishes for the weekend. And they have their 8-year-old and their 10-year-old and their 12-year-old next to them washing dishes for 400 people. Now, that's a joy. But it's so cool. They go up just to serve. That's it. And I've seen it over and over and over again. And what's happening? 
Are all these kids following Jesus? No, they, they aren't. But they've had some of them 16 years or 18 years of watching mom and dad love each other, love the Lord, and love the church. Oh, man. I just am so convinced that God's going to work in these kids' lives. Now, as kids grow up, we get excited or disappointed in their choices. Because remember, you're always a parent, you're always a disciple, and you're always working with others. And sometimes, you know, we get excited about things that don't bring God glory. Maybe it's a college choice. Maybe it's even a summer job. So many times as I was a youth pastor and we'd work through different things and, and kids would have opportunities, whether to do mission trips, whether to go away all summer, whether even go up to camp for a little bit or get involved in daily vacation Bible schools here. Rick, 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 I have to work. And I would just say, why? Well, my parents want me to learn to value money. And I, and I would just shut up because I'm not their parent. But how about if you learn the value of serving your God and watching God provide for you? I've seen it over and over and over again where parents applaud. Ah, my kid made a lot of money this summer. Okay. And, and I'm not against making money. I'm just not. But so many times, what is more important in life? How do we do this? And I look at this. So, honestly, when it comes to choosing a spouse, are your kids going to be ready to choose godly over? She's really rich. She is drop-dead gorgeous. She, is, she just makes me laugh. I, I think those are all probably pretty important. But the only question I ask, does she love Jesus with all of her heart? Because that's the thing that matters. And that's what you're praying for. What about Vocations. So many times, over the years, again, oh, my son's going to be a lawyer. Wow. I am not against lawyers. I, I am not. But why does he want to become a lawyer? Why does he want to become a doctor? Why is it, hey, there's some really good reasons to become lawyers and doctors. And I'm just asking you to, again, continue. These are things, again, Kids will never understand how important it is to choose the right spouse. They will never. They're all being driven hormonally for the most part. They are. But what a catch if you do. <laughs> Home run. You'll never regret that. You won't. So you look at all this, and you're building into kids, and you're working. One of the books I read over the break for me, it was a book called Something Needs to Change by David Platt. And I'll tell you, um, it just, it just rocked my world. 
There were just some things in that book where, again, I saw young people make choices to honor God, not to get ahead or be successful. And it was so exciting to see that. And that's every godly parent's prayer. Now, as far as I know, parenting is really important. Because in my perspective, as I look at the scriptures, we're helping our kids become disciples who make disciples. Now, as far as I know, Paul wasn't a parent, the apostle. But he was a disciple maker, and he used moms as an illustration to clarify truth when he wrote his letter to the church in Thessalonica. Now, let me just give you a quick background because we're going to eventually get there. It's in Acts chapter 17, and we're not too far away from there. But Paul, Silas, and Timothy were on the second missionary trip, and they started a church in Thessalonica. We are told they spent at least three Sabbaths teaching there, but probably more. And there was a great response that people responded to the gospel in unbelievable ways. And as a result, this gave Paul and Silas and Timothy, the three leaders, just great joy because they were they saw this church full of faith, loving, and standing firm in the hope despite the suffering that they were going through. So turn your Bibles, if you would, with me to 1 Thessalonians. And if you don't have one, you can follow on the screen. Although I'm going to warn you again, the next screen after this one is going to be, the print's going to be small. But I wanted you to get all of it on there. So I'm, I'm warning you a lot today, right? That's a good thing. But here we are, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 7. Let me read. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had the right to make some demands on you, Paul writes. But instead, we were like children. Some of your translations might say gentle among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We love you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Paul basically told the church that the apostles, the leadership team, acted like a mom to them. They, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they were gentle. They weren't overbearing or lording over them in their communication, in their interaction. They did not pull out the, hey, wait a minute, I'm the apostle, listen to me card. No. They fed and they cared for them like a nursing mother. In other words, Paul wanted this church, these new believers, to grow, to get the right nourishment and be protected the way a mom does. Now, it's no shocking news here. These actions not only reflected what healthy moms naturally do, but they modeled for us Paul's disciple-making strategy. When Paul comes into a city or he talks to someone and they come to faith, his desire is for babes to grow and to get nourishment. 
And you do that normally through God's word and be protected, inoculated. He wanted to make sure they were fed well and protected as they grew in their maturity. Now let's go back to chapter 1 and start reading at verse 5. Like I said, small. But hopefully you can, you can see it. For when we brought you the good news, Paul writes, it, not, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. And you know of our concern from you, for you from the way we lived when we were with you. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and the true God. And they speak of how you're looking forward to coming of God's Son from heaven. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming of judgment. Paul is joyful and goes into greater detail of what gently feeding and caring looks like. He said, as a result of him spending time in nurturing these folks as being fed the word of God faithfully, they were faithful in sharing the gospel. The gospel changed them, and they knew that the message of the gospel would change others. Paul said their words were life-giving and their actions reinforced their words. They were authentic. They were filled with the Spirit. Which means simply that they listened. They obeyed God. They repented quickly of their sins. There was power evident. And boldness was supernatural. And confirmation was assuring. The message, when it was given, was joyfully received in spite of knowing, knowing that they would suffer for following Jesus. And then he said this one line in there. You imitated Jesus and us. Whoa! You were walking with God in a way that you looked like Jesus. What a compliment! But not only that, Paul was so assured that he was walking with God that he also was representing God well. These results were amazing. People are talking about your faith. God's word is being proclaimed. And there's fruit. There's fruit. Talk a lot about fruit. The fruit is this, is that people have stopped serving their idols and are now serving the living God. <laughs> not only that, but you're talking about heaven. You're not focused on here anymore. You're recognizing this is all temporary. 
and you're even sharing the terror of God. He rescued us from the terrors of coming judgment. Really what Paul is saying right here is, we are so proud of your choices, your reputation, what you have become. This is exciting for us. You've listened. And the church has expanded and is making a change wherever it goes. You know, as I look around at my kids, my grandkids, your kids, your grandkids, you know, I'll I'll be honest, I, I want them to do well in sports. I want them to do well in school. I want them to be obedient to their parents. But I tell you, I want them mostly to walk with God. I I, want to reward my grandkids because they graduated eighth grade or they did well at their ball game. I want them to know that their grandpa cares. But I'll tell you what's really important. I want to go bonkers when they finish their Awana book for the year. That's what's important to me. You know, we just had an end-of-the-year celebration, kind of an odd off year again. Not that Awana was off, but, but just this whole COVID thing. But this last Wednesday, there were people who were honored for passing their books. Some of them getting... I forgot the first award. What's the first award? Thank you. There's an Awana leader. Alpha Award. Then the Timothy. Then the Meritorious. Then the Citation. Oh, is it all about getting your name on a plaque? Uh Uh-uh. But I love it because they spend time memorizing God's Word. Hundreds of verses with leaders who care and walk them through. I know some people don't send their kids to a wine or some people don't do the youth ministry and I'm okay with that if they're doing it at home. But realistically, what's important? It's not how far you hit the ball. I'm sorry. Now, if you do well and yeah, I, I guess that's a good thing. You still love Jesus and hit the ball. Okay. But what I want to get excited about is how are you investing? What are you pouring in? What are you learning? I want you, our people, to be successful. I want you to do well at home and in business. But really, what's most important to me, I want you to walk with Jesus. I want you to reflect him. I want you to be bold in your witness. I want you to be able to accept suffering. I want you to be unbelievably passionate for making disciples who make disciples. What a joy for believers to watch someone else come to faith, grow, and make disciples. That would be unbelievable as you look around. And that's the hope. That's the goal. 
But this is Mother's Day. Did you forget, Rick? No, I didn't. But each one of us, as we look back at our moms, we either thank God or question God. We would have all loved to have nurturing, godly moms. And some of you have. Let's thank God for our moms. And if there are regrets, maybe ask God for grace. You know, God does the hope for every believer causes all things to work out in life to benefit us and the kingdom according to Romans chapter 8. So may God's grace overwhelm our regrets in the memories of our parents where they fell short, where they perhaps didn't do as good of a job. Or maybe thank God for the ones you had. May God's grace overwhelm our regrets in parenting. Some of you, your kids are older, and you feel like you missed the boat. Some of you, maybe your kids are already out of the house. And you feel like, oh, I wish I would have done some things differently. Oh, God's bigger than all of us. Our prayers are unbelievably powerful. And God is able to restore even some of the things that we did so poorly. And maybe we haven't done such a good job of disciple-making. Maybe we've been, well, rather self-focused. We've forgotten the mission and the task that God's given each one of us. And there are so many ways to make disciples, but the truth is, you got to do life together. You do. It's got to be a priority somewhere. You cannot make disciples by yourself. And that's, again, what God's going to honor, what God's going to bless, what God's going to use, not only in your home, but in the church. So, this message to me is much more than encouraging our parents to disciple their children well. This making a disciple's text to me is both inspiring and convicting. Huh. We are inspired to spend time with God, to seek first his kingdom, be part of his mission and to parent and disciple well. It is. How can you not after you hear what God has to say? That we can invest and people's lives can change and our neighborhoods can change and our world can change. That is exciting to be part of it. And it's never too late. But you know what's interesting to me is that I think we're also convicted in doing the same thing. That we need to spend some time with God so we get a better picture of God. And that we love talking about God. And, and that we can model 
what it means to follow God with all of our hearts. To seek versus kingdom. To make choices that will benefit God, his work, his ministries, the church. That we are part of his mission. Maybe we haven't been doing the discipling filter very well. Maybe we're just trying to get through and get our kids out the door. Or maybe we're not involved with anyone, whether they're your kids or not. Oh, I may, I, I'm praying that God will just raise us up. Our leaders, our elders would, would love to walk with you and help you and encourage you, get you connected with groups, get you connected with others. Set you up so that you might be able to make an impact no matter how old, how young you are. Whether you do it over Zoom or face-to-face. All different ways and methods are happening. You see, I believe that every one of us who are part of God's family are here today for a reason. We're here on the planet and that we're here to be part of his mission. And I pray today that all of us, including me, start listening to God differently and making a kingdom, a greater kingdom impact. You know, over this vacation that Sharon and I had, there are so many different ideas that were going through my head and how I can connect with my grandkids differently and even my kids. How people right here in this congregation, I might be able to encourage better. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do in the next month or two. I think we all need to use the making disciple filter daily. God, how am I doing this? What can I do to better prepare Joe and Jim and Jill for their journey to trust you better. What things need to change in my life because I'm modeling very poorly. I I think we need to pray vigorously for our disciples, whoever they are. The enemy is relentless and ruthless. I've been praying differently lately. (laughs) Maybe because I'm older, I don't know. But I feel like fighting for these kids, for these lives, for these people who I have relationships with. I want to be more intentional in their lives. Now, I'm sure so many of you are part of groups. I I bet the discussion is going to be pretty lively this week and our crosspoint groups. And I would encourage each one of you, whether you're part of a group or not, you talk about it. You ask God just some of the questions. Look at these texts. You'll never regret pouring yourself into others. You won't. You'll never, ever regret it. Uh, There's a lot of other things you will. You really will. 
I just want to say this. I, I want to thank you for making this a priority this morning. We do not only want to encourage you as leaders in your parenting and grandparenting, but just in your disciple-making. And we'll give you a chance later on if you want to actually look at that. But we're going to continue next week, when you come back, if you come back, of looking at Acts. We are just, this is such an exciting study. I hope none of you really miss it. But I'm going to pray, and we're going to do something again very different. Don't get nervous. I know Nate talked about getting in a circle and having a campfire. So as I was listening, I was very grateful that didn't happen. But what I would like is this, is that we're going to show another video clip right after I'm done. And my hope is this, is that it will just encourage your heart. But let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your plan. God, there are times I just am selfish. I ask you, you would change my heart. Lord, teach me that all things are just so temporary. Help me focus on things that count. May I model for you, whether in my home or in a church or at a softball game, how you love others well. We love you, Jesus. We want to take the mission seriously. Whether we're a mom, a dad, <laughs> or just part of this church. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is Mother's Day, and we want to acknowledge all the women we're blessed to know. We rejoice over you for your strength, your wisdom, your strong love, your beautiful faith. Whether today is a celebration for you or a day of quiet reflection and healing, we're thinking of all of you. If you gave birth this year to your first child, our joy overflows and we celebrate with you. If you adopted a child this year or became a foster parent, we rejoice with you and we want to honor you in your commitment to changing the lives of children. If you continue to struggle with infertility, we are hoping with you and holding your hand in prayer. If you are exhausted and feeling underappreciated for all you do for a house full of kids, we applaud you, we love you, and we appreciate you more than you can ever imagine. And if you lost a child this year, to death or miscarriage. We weep and mourn with you. And if your child is lost to addiction or to the world, we hurt with you. And we join you in putting our hope in the one who brings prodigals home. If you live with painful memories of your mom, we pray that you will find in a spiritual mother all that you never had from a birth mom. And if you're one of those amazing spiritual moms, we thank you for stepping up and being there when others couldn't. If you're experiencing an empty nest for the first time this year, we walk with you in this new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, 
beauty and individuality and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. If you're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy and financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children, we want to help you, and we will. And if you're pregnant for the first time, we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child. And to all the special women on this Mother's Day, rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you, and we celebrate each and every one of you.